welcome to the Fracture Line, the official weekly news feed from the Chest Wall Injury Society, where we will listen to all the bottom line CWIS updates, shoutouts, fun facts, and weekly banner. I'm your host, Dr. Mark Crisco, and I'm joined always by Dr. Tom White, Dr. Adam Kay, and Sarah Ann Whitbeck. Welcome to Nguyen to Fracture Line. It's a pleasure to have you on. We always like to start with a brief introduction. Give us a little taste of who you are, what you are, and uh, what you're going to talk about. Yeah, sure. Um, well, thank you for the invitation. Uh, my name is Toon Nguyen, and uh, my background is in mechanical engineering. I, I will kind of admit that I'm a little nervous to speak to a community of healthcare professionals because I'm relatively new to this whole industry. Don't be. We're not that smart. <laughs> I'm not that smart. Yeah, we let Dr. Crisco talk. And, yeah, I know. can't even read. No, I was just going to say, uh, you know, after I graduated from engineering school. I worked as an engineer in Denver, Colorado for an oil and gas company for several years. And, uh, you know, when the pandemic happened, my wife and I decided to uh, move back home to South Dakota to be closer to family. So today I'm an MBA graduate student at the University of South Dakota. And uh, I met Dr. Stephen Briggs uh, from Stanford Health in Fargo. And uh, kind of after learning more about uh, kind of his mission and his interest to you know, stabilized rib fractures in the posterior and subscapular regions. I kind of wanted to help them out with the research to kind of just learn more about the challenges that trauma surgeons have with rib plating systems and so forth like that. So uh, that's kind of where, um, a little bit about me, where, where I'm at today. Excellent. Well, welcome again. We're having you on to talk a little bit about the summit. So uh, the floor is yours. Take it away. Yeah, definitely. Um, like I mentioned before, I'm, I'm so new to this industry. And I thought after I met Dr. Briggs and he told me about CWIS, it was, I think it was like literally, I met him one week and he told me he was going to the conference, to the summit the next week. And I just bought a plane ticket and decided this would be the perfect opportunity to kind of just do, you know, dive headfirst into this industry and learn more about uh, kind of your world, you know, the world of trauma surgery and just critical care and so forth like that. Uh, but the summit uh, in Denver was, uh, it was such a unique experience, you know, coming from a more engineering background. I was really amazed and also kind of inspired by just the uh, kind of culture that you have at the summit where, you know, you have all of these um, professionals sharing their experiences, best practices, and just having that uh, transfer of knowledge, I thought was a really cool thing to see. And also the cadaver lab uh, was also a very unique experience for myself because I was not expecting that (laughs) at all. Uh, I remember walking into that room and uh, my business partner, Ryan, who also is new to healthcare, uh, we were just looked at each other. It's like, uh, I'm pretty sure those are real cadavers. <laughs> Coming from a, a totally different background, uh, I was just very happy I didn't pass out. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Now tell us, were you um, just amazed by how fantastic the summit was it's okay if you want to gush a little bit that's okay well i thought it was like i thought it was like really well put together um yes and yes more of sort of like our director <laughs> <laughs> and i was also just thought it was impressive that even you guys were able to pull it off in like covid year you know where you were able to have people from all over the world chime in and kind of give their presentations it was also really cool to see the industry collaboration understanding that relationship with industry and healthcare professionals. I thought that was a really unique experience. So Tim, yeah, this cool. is uh, Dr. Tom White. Hey, thanks thanks for coming on. This is really, uh, it's, it's really cool to have somebody who is looking at this with a different perspective. At least I'm imagining you're looking at it from an engineer's viewpoint. And what, 
What struck you when you saw the the technology that was available and that we were practicing with? Did you have any, have any aha moments like you know that's that's just the wrong way to do this. We should do it this way instead. Did you have any any thoughts like that? In some ways, I was actually very surprised that the technology for rib fractures stabilization was. And please correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, I saw it kind of a little relatively new. Um, I was kind of. Um, shocked that um, there wasn't some type of legacy product that's that trauma surgeons have been using for hundreds of years or something like that. Um, <laughs> so coming from an engineering background, working with, you know, larger corporations that have kind of legacy products that has been in use for so long, I just saw that there was a lot of room for opportunity when it comes to medical devices to uh, kind of provide that solution for rib stabilization. And also, yeah, and also in, on top of that too, the opportunity to use like the intramedullary space of a rib bone or just like more minimally invasive approaches and stuff like that. I saw there was a lot of opportunity there. So did your, did your mind go to, we need different approach or do we need to continue to modify the prostheses that we have now? Or did you, did you, did you think there's a priority of one over the other? I don't know. I think the collaboration and the conversations that's happening now between surgeons should be most prioritized is just continually to share that information about like, hey, here are my challenges with this procedure. Here's what I learned from it and try to collect all that data. But I don't know, I feel like having that industry involvement is also pretty significant because I think the industry side will bring in that innovation and actually make and commercialize the technology for you to use uh, as a practitioner. But I think if, if I was to prioritize any type of objective or anything is just really double down on this transfer of knowledge, double down on this collaboration, have more conversations with uh, industry and also with each other. Since, uh, since then, you've, you've been quite engaged with CWIS, it seems. You're even on a committee now. Tell, tell us about that experience. Yeah, so I was just uh, staying up with the emails and uh, saw the uh, infrastructure committee uh, was being formed, and I just thought that was a good opportunity for, again, someone with... Um, perhaps a business background uh, can kind of help just um, build some of the operational things for the committee or for the organization and just kind of uh, so it can, can thrive in that way. Yeah. Well, you, you just said something really interesting and that was that we need to double down on our conversations and our interdisciplinary education and, uh, you know, thought sharing and all that sort of stuff. But I, it's interesting that an engineer, I mean, I agree with you, but I'm tired of talking to my surgeon friends about rib fixation. Mm. I want to talk to some people who have a different outlook, such as an engineer. I want to know more about the metallurgic uh, sure. aspects of our repairs and why why they work and why they don't work and why why they sometimes fail and what 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 should we be looking at from a design perspective to minimize failure? And part of that is a challenge with you know industry is obviously is thinking about and working on these things all the time, but they're they're pretty proprietary about that information. They yeah. don't really want to talk about failure mm -hmm. because it, it it impugns their product indirectly or indirectly. And so, but everybody's product fails. I understand so. that. It's exactly no, right. No, I know that's right. that's what I'm saying. Like so, we should all be open about it. Sorry about my voice. Yeah, you're squeaky today. <laughs> <laughs> I get, there was a question in there, but not really. It was more of a comment. But I just, I'm just delighted that we, we're getting other people to the table to talk about this new exciting area of, of clinical care. And I think we need, we have plenty of surgeons now talking about it, but we need, we need non-surgeons like such as yourself. So 
I, I'm, I'm really glad that you're stepping up to the table to help us, but uh, we, ne we need to figure out what those conversations look like and who needs to be involved and what we're going to talk about. I'm suggesting mechanical failure is one, t one area to explore, but there, there are many, other, many others. All right. And, and, and again, just to reiterate the point uh, and to be doubly redundant, we just, lot surgeons can talk to each other back and forth, but we're very opinionated and we're very much stuck to the ways we do things and maybe not as open-minded as we should be, but when you, when an engineer comes to the table and starts talking about stuff, it just it, it just it's really cool, and I think it can be very productive. Well, it changes the questions that are asked, and I think one of the things that I'm the most proud of about the past year, and that I compliment Dr. Kea for, we I, I was just pulling some some stats actually for some meetings that I have today and tomorrow. Um, right now, of our 440 members, we have 69 nurses. Um, or excuse me, extended care providers, which encompasses our um, physical therapists, our respiratory therapists, and our nurses, right? So if approximately, we'll just rough it off, to 70 of 440 people are you know, in that category, that doesn't even include our, our advanced practice providers. That's just showing we have a, a significant portion of our, of our population. By the time you add the APPs in, that's another 20 people. So 90 of our 440 members are non-surgeons. And I think that demonstrates the commitment that, that our organization and our members really have to, to this team approach, this interprofessional approach that says we, we care about bringing a lot of different ideas and perspectives to the table. And I'm, I'm super proud of that. I, I think that's been a big shift in, in this past year specifically well thank you um, I'm, really, I'm really glad i thought of it so absolutely thanks for pointing that out no i i'm glad that you thought of it too. <laughs> i think it's a big deal i think we've really you know we we made a specific commitment with this last summit and with dr k's presidential year to say that you know we wanted to have this be you know or we wanted to have a really specific focus on interprofessional care and how we could how we could change practice if we focused on it in teams and and tune i think your your membership your involvement you being a part of the infrastructure committee i mean I, I think that's a demonstration of all of those things so thank you for for your you know participation but but more specifically thank you for your different approach you know you you're going to approach the problem differently than than others within the society and i like that well said sarah i really can't wait to hear about the week's updates sarah let's hear them what do we got? We had a terrific journal club yesterday by Dr. Thomas Martin. And it uh, if you missed it, you definitely missed out. Let me know. I can get you a copy of the recording. Um, as far as things coming up, on um, October 27th, we have case review. Dr. K is presenting, Dr. K and his resident are presenting um, a case along with um, other individuals and uh, looking forward to that very much. Um, November 3rd is our physio slash physical therapy um, presentation that's about how how PT can impact chronic pain and then pretty much the the highlight of November as far as I'm concerned is on November 10th which is the November forum and if you have not yet registered now is the time so it will be live it will also be recorded so if you sign up and then you can't make it to the whole thing we understand and it will be posted for you. Um, November 30th, we've talked about this a couple times, the CUS KLS Martin Fellowship um, applications are due. Also, the William B. Long Meritorious Award applications are due and the scientific abstracts are due. 
so November 30th is a big day. Keep an eye on that, uh, that North Star so that you don't miss your opportunity. Um, other exciting things, we've talked about this, but April 28th through the 30th, uh, 2022, is going to be the SEWA the Summit. It will be at the Park City Mountain Resort, specifically in the um, Grand Summit Hotel. Um, we're finalizing the room block with them right now in terms of how many of each type of room we need, and then they will activate the room block. So you can't book your room yet. I know you're clamoring to get there. We're also um, working on the um, group discount rates right now for registration so that when you um, sign up and register your whole team, um, then of course, you know, maximum benefit, all those kinds of things, but working out the, the details of those discounts as we speak, and then registration will go live. So that is very exciting. Um, other details that are in the works, um, we are still in the process of transitioning our LMS, which means um, you are probably going to receive, or you may have already received, should be receiving, etc. as they transition. It's a four week transition of everybody's accounts from the old LMS to the new LMS. So if you receive something that asks you to confirm your CWIS account, um, it is not in fact spam, it is um, intentional because you need to confirm your new account. Your information will transfer over in terms of your um, actual payments and things like that, but, but you'll need to confirm your information to be certain that we have your most recent uh, data about how to reach you. So I think those are all the updates. Let's move on to our final stitch. Who wants to go first? I'll go first. So, you know, everything, as you, everybody realizes, everything's been COVID, COVID, COVID. And, I, you know, I think we're all tired of hearing about COVID. But it, how many people heard the news this last week that uh, there's now a vaccine for malaria? Um, some of you can raise your hands and say you, you've been paying attention. But... I was just struck when I heard that news about what a big deal that is and how it didn't it, it, it would have gotten a lot more fanfare in, in a different year than, than our current year but it's you know it's a it's a killer of, of millions of people in the last century and tens of thousands every year and primarily children are the ones that die from malaria and the, and the prospect of a vaccine that can be uh, distributed and uh, and prevent those deaths is really remarkable achievement by my final stitch is that thank god finally there's 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 hope for malaria i was going to give a shout out to my in-laws they're coming in town um, to help us out with house stuff and i'm just really grateful they're both very impressive people she's actually one of 12 nfl photographers she goes to like every game she's a super impressive person she's also a lawyer and he's a builder of amazing houses out west so they're both coming into town and helping us out shout out to them Bob and Margaret. My final stitch is that my cute little niece, who um, just is adorable, and I, well, I think she's adorable, and for a long time she was my mini-me, but now we, we don't look as much alike, but she um, is just one of my favorite humans, um, turned 11 yesterday, and just is as cute as, as a button, and she loves karate, she begrudgingly still plays the piano and she is just a, a very brilliant little fifth grader and I am super proud of her and grateful that she's 11. So she was an IVF kid so it uh, it took a lot to get her to the world and super glad that she is. And then she was born, you know, as as just 
barely four pounds. She it took a lot to to make that little kiddo happen, and now she's she's eleven. So wow, that's just can hardly believe it. I've been super tender thinking about how grateful I am for. Well, happy birthday to her. So, Toon, do, do you have a final stitch? Any shout-outs you want to give? Yeah, um, shout-out to be, uh, be to Dr. Stephen Briggs at Stanford Health in Fargo. Um, my mentor and business partner, Ryan Onis. I guess I'll give a shout-out to my, my best friend, Michael, too. Uh, this week, we're doing some traveling, so my friend's going to be dog-sitting and house-sitting for us. So, it's cool to have uh, good people to rely on. Well, thank you, uh, thank you, Tune, for for uh, coming on Fracture Line. We really do appreciate it. 